There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. What's it going to be today? Skyline three-way or cheese conies? Hmm, that's a tough one. I know. Give me a Skyline three-way and cheese conies. Problem solved. Feeling good. It's Skyline time. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Massari, here with Mike Bunt, breaking down kickoff i mean it's kickoff week mike we got the colts on hand although the team may not be preparing or game planning for the game they're certainly very interested in how the team will play and a couple of interesting positional battles as well as a depth chart that was just released mike so lots to uh lots to break down but more importantly how are you doing today doing good kevin excited to have some preseason football uh, on hand this weekend it might not be the most the the most thrilling action we'll see of the summer but uh, just nice to get a little bit more clarity on some of these positional battles that we're watching and uh, get to see these guys hit somebody else that's not buffalo bills teammates of theirs yeah so i guess we'll start there mike what what do you anticipate do you anticipate lots of threes what do you anticipate seeing on sunday or saturday excuse saturday afternoon what do you anticipate seeing uh in this game are you just seeing that we're gonna like how how far do the bills go into their depth chart Yeah, so in the beginning, I think this is a game where you probably should bench your key marquee players. Yeah. Lately in the preseason, the Bills have played Josh Allen in the first games. I I don't think it's necessary for Josh to be out there on Saturday. I understand why they might give him a series or two with some of the new weapons he has. Uh, Guys like Dalton Kincaid, Sherfield, Hardy maybe wanting to give him some reps with Shakir. Do I think that's the most important thing in the world? No, I would value his health more than putting Josh out there to get some reps. You're getting all that practice in training camp. Uh, So I don't think it's critical to do that against uh, a defense that's going to be having their backups in. That's not going to have their main guys uh, available. But I do want to see a bunch of the younger guys, like I just said, and the new newbies. Uh, on this team. This is a good opportunity to see Dalton Kincaid uh, at Highmark Stadium for the first time uh, in a preseason contest. I want to see how Osiris Torrance looks, how uh, some of these uh, receivers, like I said, Shakir, Sherfield, Hardy, how does the offensive line look against uh, another team after some struggles during training camp? Same with the the defense. How is the defensive line going to look against a different offensive line? So, uh, you have the cornerback two battle, the linebacker, middle linebacker battle. Uh, there's a there's some exciting, intriguing things going on. So yeah. I do think we're going to see starters for a little bit, but I'm hoping not to see guys 
like Stefan Diggs. I know what we're getting out of him. Uh, I don't need to see uh, Tredavious White out there on Saturday. That's a good opportunity, I think, to give to the, the corners in the battle an opportunity to start and see how they perform against each other. So uh, bench some of the, the marquee guys, but give other guys a, a chance to step up and see what they do. Mike, you were there Friday at the the red and blue scrimmage. Um, what did you get from that? I know you were there with Ant. Um, break down what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. That was really only a few days ago. It wasn't that long ago. So tell us just briefly. Uh, I know there's been a lot of articles and reports on it. What did you like? What did you see that came out of that? Just uh, just tell us what you got from Friday. Yeah, Friday was kind of sloppy, in my opinion. I know we we call it a scrimmage. It, it really didn't give off a scrimmage yep. vibe. Um, there was a there's some segments, but it wasn't a traditional letting them move up and down the field and uh, place the ball where uh, where the play was finished. I thought it, it was one of those practices where they focused a lot on the run game, uh, the offensive line, short yardage, distance situations, um, red zone inside the five. For, for, for the most part, early on, the defense yep. was having its way. Uh, the defensive line, one, twos, and threes were getting pressure uh, Greg Rousseau was getting to the quarterback. Epineza got to the quarterback. Um, the linebackers looked solid. Tyrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard both looked like they knew um, what looked like they had the ability to stand up and uh, take over that middle linebacker spot. The corner play was decent, but like I said, not a ton in the passing game uh, overall. There's some drops early. Uh, Dalton Kincaid had an uncharacteristic drop. Dawson Knox had one go through his hands. Gabe Davis, everybody was pointing out his drop, which not going to make a big deal about after the the start to training camp where he actually has played pretty well so far this summer. And then besides, I guess, the slow start to the offense, Kyle Allen was a little bit of a concern uh, at backup quarterback. I don't think it's a huge deal. I know some people are making a, a big deal about QB number two after um, all the, the fumbles and bot snaps. At the end of the day, if the Bills are playing a backup quarterback, they're not going to be in a good position regardless of who that guy is. And then my my third and final takeaway outside of the defense being great um, was that the offense finally found it in the red zone. Uh, late, you had Sherfield bring one down for a touchdown. Shakir had a nice touchdown. The running game did figure out a few things. But it, it was just one of those where not a ton to take away from. Nice for the fans to be able to be at Highmark Stadium, get over 35,000 in attendance. But – not a memorable evening overall, aside from uh, basically having Bill's Mafia back uh, at the Ralph. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that I think that they take too much out of. Honestly, I know we're thinking of like who's playing ones, who's playing twos, who's doing what, who's, who's this, who's that. This is not utilized very much for um, – it's not utilized a ton for where people land on the depth chart. It really isn't. It's more for the fans of Buffalo. Obviously, they go away to Rochester. There's still plenty of people here uh, locally in Buffalo that would like to see the team. You know, just a quick drive to the stadium, park their car, general admission seating to see the team. That's pretty much what it is. And then they basically get to see an organized team drill um, for the most part. So I don't think you take away too much about from QB2. Now, what I didn't want to say about QB2 is if that's the talking point, uh, training camp's going pretty well. Uh, if you're talking about QB2, um, you know, I guess a little bit about some positions people are wondering about middle linebacker, right tackle. But realistically, if if what we're focusing on is Kyle Allen's snap exchange with Mitch Morse, uh, we're in pretty good shape for the season. 
Uh, we really are. And I think that that's a good talking point that I had pigeonholed for today was quarterback two. How much do we really get? I mean, it is the talking point right now. How, and, and it's to the point where it's being asked to the, to the head coach uh, and as well as the, to, to the entire staff, how much do we care about quarterback two? Is it something to where what's the marginal difference between Kyle Allen, um, you know, Matt Barkley, Case Keenum, and then maybe I guess Mitch Trubisky, I guess Tyrod Taylor, uh, Blaine Gabber. I mean, I don't, I don't, it doesn't really matter, you know, Trevor Simeon, which player you'd like to select. Is there a marginal difference between that worth spending cap money, worth spending a draft pick? I mean, at what point is it like, like if he's out five games? you got to tread water to try to go three and two anyways. Is there that big of a difference to where Case Keenum could do something that Kyle Allen can't? I mean, you see Josh Allen thread the needle, make plays. He's going on all cylinders. And then you plug in Kyle Allen. Is it going to look the same at this point especially? No, it's not. Um, so I guess the expectation – it's kind of like that Gabe Davis debate last year. Like, what were you expecting? And that kind of is what – you know, plays the role here. I think our hurt Josh Allen against Minnesota and which one game where they should have won uh, was probably still a better outcome than what Case Keenum would have done in that game, Mike. So where do you stand on the QB two debate? If there's someone cut 1200 players are going to get cut in on this show. I will, we'll be discussing it live in, in a few weeks uh, for our cut down show. But realistically, Mike, is there outside of a name that could make a difference that would come here on a veteran salary? Is there anything you're worried about here? Not overall, because if we're being real, what is the big difference between a Case Keenum and a Kyle Allen and a Mitch Trubisky? At the end of the day, they're all backup quarterbacks, and when we've seen them in limited action in the NFL, none of them have ever really blown me away. Yes, Case Keenum has had a good season once with the Minnesota Vikings years ago. Mitch Trubisky had a good season with the Chicago Bears years ago, and Kyle Allen, for all we're bashing him right now, has had an okay season with the Carolina Panthers years ago. These guys are all backups because they couldn't cut it as starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And the, and the truth of it is, I, I know I always say, well, if Josh Allen's hurt for a significant amount of time, it doesn't matter. And people will counter that by saying, well, you need to have somebody to get you by. The way this team is built offensively and defensively, the reason it doesn't matter who the backup quarterback is is because they needed to fill other holes on their roster. So the money that could have gone to a better backup quarterback was put to helping fill the depth roles throughout this team. And I would rather have that filled than have a marginally better backup quarterback that may or may not need to actually play games this season. And when it comes down to it, regardless of who your backup quarterback is, if Josh is out, the Bills are going to be in trouble and they will need their defense to help win them games. It doesn't matter if it was Kyle Allen or Mitch Trubisky or Case Keenum. If any of them were starting games for the Bills, they would change this offense around in a second from a pass-heavy uh, offense to a more run-based, let-the-clock-run and hope your defense holds a team under 20 points type uh, a game plan. So in the end, I don't think that's really enough to justify spending significant uh, money into a better backup uh, overall. So, yes, Allen is a is a decrease. He is a step down from what they've had. But I don't think you're looking at a bottom five, bottom ten backup. I think you're looking at a middle of the pack backup who's just off to a slow start with his new team. 
Yeah, I mean, two for seven million pretty much for Case Keenum. They didn't want to match that. They had no interest in matching that. Tyra Taylor makes five and a half million. You know, these these veteran quarterbacks that have done something in the league are not going to sniff around for much less than that with the injury risk. I mean, a guy that I think could have came in and been all right, but he's had his struggles, you know, on and off the field really is Marcus Mariota. I thought that he could be a seamless transition from Josh Allen. Obviously, you know, no one's Josh Allen. But uh, he's a guy that could come in and do what's necessarily if needed. But even he signed a one-year, $5 million deal in which Philadelphia had to uh, void year out four extra years. So that's how people were getting around to paying some of these quarterbacks. Uh, I just don't think the Bills would have rather void year to Leonard Floyd. They wanted to get a deal done with Taylor Rapp. They wanted to get a deal done with Puna Ford. Do you trade those guys for an insurance policy at quarterback? You do not. The Bills did that a couple years ago and said, <laughs> maybe if I had Leonard Floyd and Puna Ford instead of Case Keenum, uh, maybe that would have been uh, better for my team down the stretch than having an insurance policy that you may or may not need. And then how much better is that insurance policy than Kyle Allen? That's the other question. I don't know. I don't believe that much. So will it, is it enough to amount into an extra win? I don't think so. So Kev, that's, you, the, that's the decision I had to make, Mike. And Kev, you look at this roster. I'm sorry for cutting you off for a second. It would be one thing if we looked at the skill positions on this team and said the Bills are absolutely loaded with talent. And you look at the offensive line, and and you say, damn, if, if they don't have Josh, they could still pound the rock and, and get mm-hmm. four and a half yards per carry, and they could just run the ball all over teams. But that's not what this type of team is. So when you go from a Josh Allen, who's a freak, who obviously his connection with Stephon Diggs is amazing, and his ability to do things with his legs and really open things up because of his improvised improvising ability uh that's one thing but none of these guys filling in regardless of even if you get an upper echelon backup quarterback are going to be able to do the things that josh allen does on a weekly basis so suddenly you put a little bit better backup quarterback but behind gabe davis a lot of unknowns in the receiving core you have an offensive line that at best is probably average right now that's some tough ingredients for a backup quarterback regardless of who you are to win games. So it would be more important based on what the defense does on a week to week basis than what the backup quarterback does. So regardless of who would be the guy, it would be asking a lot uh, for them to produce. And here we go. Speaking of the players behind Josh Allen, we can see the depth chart up on our screen. Now, for those listening on demand, we really appreciate you. Please smash the like button. Please leave five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. That means a whole lot to us. We can bring amazing content. And One Pass is out for the year. Check out the new shirt and the new design out for One Pass. You get access to the Slack channel. Uh, really cool stuff that we're doing uh, with One Pass this season. Again, thank you all for your memberships last year. Um, but as you look through the depth chart, Mike, you see uh, some, you know, nothing shocking. They never really are, but you do, you do start to see some slashes. Uh, you start to see at the cornerback position, Christian Benford slash Kyrie Elam slash Dane Jackson. That's pretty interesting to me um, because they, you know, they did designate that that's a battle and that's a battle for cornerback too. So that is there uh, and they're looking for a selection. I think it's very interesting that Jamarcus Ingram's ahead of, uh, you know, Alex Austin's of the world. Um, that, you know, he's a guy that they brought in against Miami last year against a really banged up team and, and played Jalen Waddle fairly well in that game. Um, you know, behind Taron Johnson is actually Cam Lewis and not Saran Neal. You can't even say there's a veteran thing going on there because that wouldn't make any sense. So that's a pretty interesting note that the first backup nickel is Cam Lewis uh, and not Saran Neal. 
So uh, I do believe that Cam Lewis is safer on this roster than many, many believed. Deontay Hardy uh, is the backup, or excuse me, is a starting returner now at both spots with Khalil Shakir and Andy Isabella there as well. So I don't know uh, if you need to roster Andy Isabella with them giving both the return jobs to Deontay Hardy. And then at the receiver position at the slot inside, whatever you want to call it right now, is Deontay Hardy versus Khalil Shakir uh, in alphabetical order. I believe the slashes are in alphabetical order. Uh, which is very interesting to me that Trent Shurfield is listed as the top primary backups to Stefan Diggs, which is a big upgrade uh, to the backups they had last year, but still really listed as uh, a backup boundary receiver if anything was to happen. And then uh, obviously Justin Shorter there ahead of those uh, mishmash of uh, veterans like Keyshawn Johnson, Desmond Patton, et cetera. So that was that was fairly interesting to see um, that they they had, you know, I would have expected to see Shorter a little bit further down. But uh, by all intents and purposes, does look like he is uh, on the roster per the first step chart, Mike. Uh, really nothing crazy at offensive line. They have Tommy Doyle listed as the first left tackle. We had Tommy on the show. He w- he told us he was willing to play any position, and that's kind of where he's been penciled right now per the depth chart, but can really play anywhere. I think that also has a lot to do with the six offensive linemen in, in a game. If they ever go to certain personnel packages and they need an eligible offensive lineman, that's a Tommy Doyle role. We saw Bobby Hart in it last year when Tommy was hurt. So I think that Tommy will continue to play that role uh, this season. So I do think he's got a chance to get a jersey on game day uh, for uh, certain personnel packages. But you see it, you see it live right here. Uh, you see Von Miller still listed with the starters. You know AJ Epinesa, Leonard Floyd with the twos uh, as well, which is fairly interesting. And Tim Settle above Puna Ford, uh, which is another pretty interesting note behind Daquan Jones. Um, so, and then the Cam Lewis Demar Hamlin safety uh, combo for the fourth safety. So, so Cam's not only ahead of Saran Neal, but he is in a battle for the fourth safety role with uh, Demar Hamlin, uh, which is you know puts him fairly on the roster, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm just going to take this off for a second here. But when you look at uh, this roster, there's really not a lot of shockers at this point in time. But Cam Lewis definitely was something, someone that stood out. I, I think going into training camp, a lot of people would have him on the outside um, looking in uh, based on the addition mm-hmm. to uh, the roster this offseason. But Based on reports, he's played very well, and he's deserving to be in the battle, in the mix uh, with these spots. I would still give DeMar Hamlin the edge at safety, but like you said, back up uh, to Taron Johnson in the nickel corner roll, that is a sign that the Bills still see him as a quality depth piece uh, on the squad. And like you said, that he has a solid chance of still making this roster. Puna Ford being listed behind Tim Settle was a little questionable. Now, like these depth charts – that doesn't mean these are the the say all that this is going to be what you see in September, but it is interesting that they had Puna Ford listed at third. That was one of the ones that really uh, kind of stood out to me. Cornerback two, I, I kind of expected it. It seemed like Dane Jackson, Kyrie, Christian Benford. That's all been something that we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. Who is going to separate themselves? Uh, Dane Jackson has had the edge so far in training camp, but maybe they want to see what happens during these preseason games to see if someone can separate themselves uh, a little bit and and give themselves an edge. The linebacker battle, it seems to still be going on, uh, Kev, between Dodson and Bernard. Dodson was someone that we expected to have the edge early on based on his experience, but Bernard has given him a good fight, and 
credit to both of them. I, I, I the way that Bernard has been playing, I was thinking he would have skipped Dodson, but Dodson has stepped up in this camp so far and has played well. So that'll be an interesting one that goes down to the wire. Tommy Doyle being listed at the number two left tackle. That's interesting, Kev. Uh, a lot of people have forgotten about Tommy Doyle and where he sits with this roster. When we look at the tackles, we obviously um, talk about Spencer Brown and uh, Shell and then uh, Quesenberry on the right side. But we forget Tommy Doyle is still battling for uh, a spot on the team. And then wide receiver uh, three has been probably the, the one that stood out the most to me. And you hit on it. We're all talking about Trent Sherfield. There's been a ton of Trent Sherfield talk from uh, OTAs and minicamp all the way to training camp. He's had a tremendous catch yesterday that was getting talked about all over uh, the local news. So the the assumption by many has been that Sherfield is essentially the number three wide receiver. Granted, uh, are you talking slot? Are you talking putting him in different parts of the field? Whatever. But the fact that He's listed as the backup to Diggs and that Hardy and Shakir are listed as battling for that wide receiver position. That's interesting to me because I don't know whether to just assume that's the way it's going to be or if they don't want to give away anything. Like it, it, I'm a little confused because from what I've seen so far at camp and the scrimmage, it feels like Sherfield is the third guy. But this depth chart would seem to indicate that is not the case, which is what I thought going into camp. So I don't know. It might just be one of those things where wide receivers three, four, and five, regardless of what number you technically are, are all going to have a role in this offense, more so than last year where they didn't really use their depth pieces as much uh, in their offense. Yeah, a lot of questions and a lot of uh, good good commentary going on but do they do you think that saran neal makes the team I, he's always been on my surprise cut list but he's such a premier special teamer i'd have to be proof that someone like shorter um cam lewis and others would be able to step up and take that role they do save a uh, 2.7 million dollars cutting him that's a fair sizable amount of money they could work with during the season if they do move on and, and say they kept somebody else so it is interesting to see if they were to uh, move away from Saran Neal. I do think he's on the roster, but I don't know. I, I'm getting more and more like he could be a surprise cut if they like the way a couple other players, Hamlin being one. Um, it's all Cam Lewis, maybe Justin Shorter. They, they all could have a say in it. I think that Taylor Matikavich plays. Uh, I don't think he'll end up on PUP. I think he's premier special teams captain. I think you'll see him shortly. Um, so I don't think that you'll see anybody really on those as of right now. I mean, Naeem Hines, but I don't think you'll see anybody on those reserves list except Von Miller. Um, and we'll see how his rehab goes, but um, we'll see how many weeks, if any, um, he will be out as we kind of approach the season here in a month. Uh, three weeks from today, though, we'll be live here breaking down the roster. We're breaking down our thoughts. 1,200 free agents will be on the market. Will the Bill, Bill see 1,200 players and not want to touch one of them? Well, Bean goes either way with that. Sometimes he can't keep he can't keep his hands off of them, but other times he likes his roster. So we're going to have to see how that all plays out uh, with, with injury and uh, that many players being on the market all at once. Uh, so it's going to be a fun show. So three weeks from today, we'll be doing that. Next week, we'll be breaking down the game and what we liked. You know what? You know maybe we'll talk a little bit more in depth about some of the the plays that were made from backups. Um, so we're gonna excited for the next couple of weeks of shows. Bring on some guests here shortly too, Mike. But my question to you was: Josh Allen's gonna play a series. He pretty much has generally. 
historically at least a series or a quarter. Um, but I, I think, I think they'll stay with the series. Which game is he getting the series? Is it this game knowing that it's longer to the openings day in front of home fans? Don't really have to do too much. You're at home in your home, you know, facilities, or do you do the same schedule? Usually it's game two. Usually it's game two or three, you know, in years past, but now it's game two uh, where he played last year, but that would be on the road. Um, you know, not too far though, uh, right down the road in Pittsburgh. So what do you see? When does Josh and the wines and staff get hit their series? So I think he is going to play this weekend. This week, And I think he will play the second game as well. If I was the coach, I wouldn't put him in this weekend because I don't think you really gain much from it. But being the only home preseason game on kids day and Josh wanting to, I guess, build up some more rapport with his new weapons, I think that's going to end up giving him uh, probably a series this week. If he goes out, they go on a drive, they move the ball 50, 60 yards. I think that's it. They take him out that and you won't see him until the, the second preseason game, or maybe he'll play a couple more series. If he goes out the first drive, they go three and out. I think they, they might give him another series just to try to get a couple first downs. But one thing that I am really interested about this offense overall, and I, it just keeps kind of holding a spot in my, the back of my head, is if the Bills run as much 12 personnel as I think that they're going to this year or planning on this year, there may be some kinks that they want to work out in the preseason before committing 100% to everything during the regular season. Like We all know 12 personnel is going to be used quite a bit from this team. But this is quite a bit of a change compared to what their offensive philosophy was last year. It's actually kind of interesting because if you dive into DVOA by formation, the Bills were actually pretty good out of 12 personnel last year. They just rarely ever ran it. It was uh, among the, the least in the league, but they had a good DVOA when they did run it, which is one of the criticisms that um, Aaron Schatz has actually had uh, of the Bills offense last year with um, Ken Dorsey was that is even though they were so successful out of um, – their spread and their, their three wide formations shots said you should have sprinkled in more 12 and other formations. So when you come to critical moments against better teams like Cincinnati, you have other things that you can turn to rather than just relying on the same thing over and over and over again, because once it doesn't work, you have no fallback options. So I am interested to see how this 12 personnel is going to work because if there are struggles early on, or if there are complications where it's not running smoothly and they're not flowing like they typically do offensively, are they going to be able to battle through that knowing it's a 17 game season, we'll eventually find that, or are they going to quickly resort back to what they know they're good at? So that is one thing I'm interested to see in the preseason, how much uh, they just, they yeah. attack teams that way. Yeah, to your point, I don't think he plays both. Uh, I agree with you. I think he plays next week for sure in week two. Um, will he play this week? If he does, it's you're right. It would be a 12 personnel situation. They're handing the ball off, play action, very safe things. Um, you know, he won't be standing back in the pocket doing Josh things um, very long, especially either of these weeks, but especially if he's playing in two games. 
Um, but you're right. It's it's conceivable that he's in there to call plays so that, you know, him and Mitch can can see formation, can set up Dalton, can set up, you know, Dawson. You know, are they going to see Sherfield? So I, you're not crazy to assume that if they were to do one drive, it would be probably a ton of 12, uh, a ton of running plays just to see how the offensive line does in general. Will, will Damian Harris play? I know he's a little bit banged up, right? Um, so he's coming in a little bit banged up. I mean, there's not the Bills have been fairly healthy uh, so far. But between Hines and then we'll see, I think, you know, we'll see where Harris is at tomorrow. Uh, you know, the running back room got bit up a little bit there. Um, you know, well, if that was the case, you'd probably see a lot of James Cook week one uh, with Latavius Murray sprinkling in behind him as a vet backup and a, a beast behind him. Uh, so, well, the Bills go and play in the running back market with the 1200 cuts. Maybe they would if, if, if Harris's injury is at all. Uh, significant but he's said to be a little bit banged up so far but I don't I don't I don't know the extent of that uh you know but realistically there's not a ton else I mean we see we've seen a brace on uh, Deion Dawkins I wouldn't anticipate seeing him then um I just think with the elbow I don't know if they're going to press Josh to two games um but realistically they could and it would just be probably frustratingly seven running plays or as many first downs as they got uh, with maybe a pass sprinkled in. So I don't think you would see anything more than that in either of these games, but maybe they'll go and give him next week to go out and play somewhat real offensive football. We'll have to, we'll kind of have to to dive in to see if that's the case or if they will just be working on a lot of 12 uh, going forward. Uh, but yeah, in, in this specific games, regardless of what's going on in the running back room, I would expect to see a lot of Darrington Evans and a lot of Mims. Uh, regardless of how the health of the running back room is or isn't. Will they play Latavius Murray? I wouldn't mind seeing a good chunk of Latavius Murray. Like, yes, you don't want to get him hurt. Bigger back. I don't, I don't know how much they're worried about him getting hurt, uh, especially if Cook and Harris aren't playing. I'd like to see a little bit of Latavius Murray and not just all Darrington Evans. I want to see him situationally against even the twos and the threes. But we'll see how that plays itself out. Uh, or if we just see only Evans and Mims, uh, which probably will see a lot of those two players. See a lot of Quentin Morris, a lot of Jay Sternberger. Um, those those are two names I expect to see. I think you'll see a lot of you know David Edwards and Greg Manns. I don't know how much they're going to play like Tommy Doyle and Osiris Torrance. Um, so we'll have to kind of see what they do on the O-line. But the O-line is going to be an interesting one to track. Like how deep do they go there? Are they going to play some of those sixth to eighth offensive linemen, those rostered players, but not starters? I don't think so. Uh, but I think that they could realistically give them a, 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 a lot of reps, um, you know, just so that they can play with Kyle Allen. So you can get a good grasp on Kyle Allen so that he's not playing with, you know, some of the backup, you know, Nick Broker, Kevin Jarvis, uh, of the world, you know, you kind of want to see what Kyle Allen can. That's going to be the problem with preseason is you're going to see a lot of these backup offensive linemen. And I even like Richard Garage is one of my favorites, um, but you're going to see a lot of these backup offensive linemen with the twos and with the quarterback. You know, you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. What kind of weapons will Kyle Allen see playing? I don't think you'll even see a lot of Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir. So who's he going to be playing with? I guess you'll see a ton of Justin Shorter, right? Like, would that be your prediction? Who's well, going to be the weapons? We, we saw this happen last year with Case Keenum, where in the first preseason game, wasn't it against the Colts last year? I, I believe yeah. it was against the Colts at home, where he was playing with uh, the second stringers, I believe against the Colts ones, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And he looked horrible. It, it was awful. And uh, people were worried about <laughs> What are we going to do at quarterback too? Then the next game, they had him get some reps with the ones against the Broncos, and then Case Keenum goes right down the field and makes it look easy. So it's important to, to have context uh, 
when evaluating a lot of these uh, players and the schemes? Who are they going up against? Uh, who are they playing with? Are they playing with your ones? Are they playing with your twos, your threes? Um, are they going up against ones or twos? Uh, I, I remember a lot last year, uh, people were very impressed by Isaiah Hodgins. And Grant, I'm, I'm not going to go down the whole argument. Should he have played? Should he not have played? Uh, should the Bills have kept him or not? Argument. But one thing that was kind of very telling with what the Bills thought of Isaiah Hodgins last year before uh, he eventually did get waived was that even when he was producing in the preseason, he was doing it with the backup units and they weren't promoting him past certain guys. And when he finally had uh, a chance to maybe make a, a bigger name for himself on a higher unit, the production then went away. So uh, I think it was pretty clear based on how they were running the preseason last year that uh, he was padding the stats against the lower end guys, but wasn't doing it as much against the better, higher ranked players he was going up against. So uh, that's one thing that we always have to be careful as fans when watching these preseason games. The, the actual stats don't matter. It's what are you doing and who you're doing it against. Right. I think that that's really important. I'd like to see him with some one B like, I don't want to see him with, you know, I don't need to see digs, you know, obviously, you know, I don't need to see, you know, some of the premier top end, but I do want to see him with one B players. I'd like to see a series with Kyle Allen and Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy. I'd like to see him mixed in with the one B offensive line, even like a little bit, maybe even, you know, Ryan Bates and David Edwards and, um, you know, a little bit, maybe not Deion Dawkins, but I'd like to see him with a mixture of, of ones. I want to see what we want to see because it's a talking point. We want to see what this guy can do uh, with the ones, you know, even maybe with Mitch Morris at center. I, I don't know, but I'd like to see something like that. Uh, that's really where the useful snaps come in. Unfortunately, you need Mitch in the game. Uh, so we'll see if that at all is a thing. Like you said, with Case Keenum, we'll see if there's any extra additional reps with this backup quarterback talk that he takes with the one. So that'll be an interesting note to follow. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. In this game, especially if Josh doesn't play, will they bench all their starters? Will they make Kyle play with the uh, 2A, 2B lineup? Or will they give him a 1B? I, I hope they go 1B and sit some of the premier players but uh, still give him a, 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 a plethora of starting level offensive line uh, players and offensive uh, weapons that will make the team. Maybe not your, maybe you don't need that Diggs and Davis, but I'd like to see him with Sherfield. I'd like to see him with Shakir Hardy, some weapons that will actually, um, and, and maybe down to shorter will actually potentially make the team. So um, 
and yeah, I mean, it's a good point that the, the, especially in, on August 1st through August 8th, the backup offensive line isn't going to be as good as the backup defensive line, especially this roster uh, that has, you know, Leonard Floyd, Tim Saddle, Jordan Phillips, AJ Epinesa, uh, Boogie Bash, and Puna Ford, Shaq Lawson. And those are just your backup level players, uh, technically, when the team's healthy. So uh, those guys are definitely, you know, you're not even talking about Greg Rousseau's and Ed Oliver's and, and Daquan Jones. You're talking about, you know, Von Miller, and you're talking about essentially the twos uh, of the roster. And yes, I do believe that that's going to be better than Greg Mann's, uh, unfortunately, uh, going forward. So it, it's going to be a pretty interesting um, conundrum that the Bills have to face with these reps, which starters are important uh, to making sure no one gets hurt. I don't, I think everybody should be in games. I don't think it hurts you uh, minus obviously, you know, Josh very limited. And I don't think he needs to find digs at all. Um, so beside the Josh drive. So, uh, that's, that's probably where I stand on it. I stand on playing your players, uh, minus, uh, your top five guys. Uh, you can, you can take it to top 10. That's fine. But I don't really like to see it much beyond that as, um, you know, you, you got to go out there and play football. And I don't think you're going to get hurt on the one series you played. Uh, in my opinion, Mike, is that where you stand? Do you, are you like rest everybody? Are you, where, where are you standing on? You know, I'm at about the five to ten mark. You know, rest your top five to ten. Where where do you stand with who to rest? I'm I'm kind of with you. If you got a superstar like Diggs, you got even if Vaughn was healthy and didn't come off an ACL injury, I'd be telling you rest guys like Vaughn, Diggs, Micah, Jordan Poyer. Those guys don't need to. They don't need to play. You know what you're getting from them. Yeah, Milano. Yeah. There's yeah. There's no. Um, it's not worth the risk having those guys out there especially when you have some battles going on if you have Demar and cam battling it out for the the fourth safety uh position put them both out there at one point see who uh can step up and so i, I want to see some starters out there it, it, it is helpful for certain players to get reps and normally i'd be on the side you don't need josh out there but i understand the way the bills operate the way josh operates he normally wants to be out there in getting his reps. So uh, even though I would love the Brady treatment for him and just tell him to, to rest up until the regular season, I understand that's not likely to be the way uh, the Bills move forward with it. As long as he's smart out there, uh, doesn't take any unnecessary hits, uh, throws the ball away. Like You don't, you don't need Josh scrambling for yardage uh, in the preseason. If you have... You take the snap and there's no one open, just throw it away. And as long as Josh is aware of that and uh, doesn't do anything uncharacteristic or, or not smart, uh, I'm okay with him being out there. I think you'll see a lot of Anthony Richardson. I think you will. I think that's where these guys earn it and show that they can be quarterback one. They can't take the injury risk with these guys. You might know what you have in Gardner Minshew. Does that mean he'll play a lot? Will they play a lot of Sam Ellinger? I'm not sure what they'll do with like Gardner Minshew. Um, but I think in terms of AR-15, I think you want to see him play a fair amount of, of of snaps. I mean, I think that that's where these guys develop. I don't think you you behoove your team to not play him at all, um, especially when you can protect a quarterback specifically. Um, you know, he doesn't need to stay in the pocket. He can kneel. He can throw it away. It's not that important. Uh, I think that, he's the that, most the intriguing re- player in this game. Like this, yeah, yeah, by I far. Maybe in the preseason. Yeah. yeah, if you're tuning into this Colts Bills game and you're not a Bills fan, 
you're a fan of any other team in the NFL or you're a football fan, you're, you're tuning in to see Anthony Richardson, who might be probably one of the most similar players to what Josh Allen was coming out of college in a while. Uh, you're looking at a guy that is a ball of clay, who is one of the most athletic quarterbacks we've seen coming out of the draft, maybe ever, Kev. And in saying that, had very limited production while at Florida. And this wasn't a Florida team that had a dynamic passing attack when he was there. This was not a really good Gators team coming out of the SEC. He got drafted in the top five because of his raw ability and athleticism of what he brings to the table. Just like Josh, where you're hoping if we can coach this guy up, who knows what his uh, ceiling can be. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out and performs in this first uh, preseason game because Colts fans are very much in a a place where the Bills fans were um, back in uh, 2018, hoping that their their top 10 pick quarterback will eventually pan out and change the direction of their franchise. One that has taken a lot of weird uh, shots on older veteran quarterbacks in the last five years. Yeah, it's uh, weirdly they have. They, they, they've pretty much tried them all out, one of them being still available uh, that I've seen uh, pop up a little a little bit in Carson Wentz of being a backup. I, I, I wouldn't hate him. I think that that would be a perfect situation if Carson – I can't believe he's not a backup. That would be what I would think um, would happen there. But I would like to see – a lot of Anthony Richardson, if I was a Colt on the Colt side of this, um, I think that this is the game you want him playing in. Um, so we'll see what that means or if, if, you know, how much they, but they also need Gardner Minshew getting some reps. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be all Sam Ellinger. I don't know exactly what they're thinking, but I, I would certainly play Richardson. I'd give him at least a quarter and a half, Kev. Yeah. You, yeah. you want him to be your starter. I, I have nothing against the Colts even playing him the entire first half and then splitting the, the second half with, uh, Minshew and uh, Sam Ellinger because you're putting this young rookie quarterback who didn't even really get the amount of time that you probably needed in college uh, into a situation where he's expected to be your starter right away. He needs these reps. And the, the difference between a Josh Allen getting hurt and uh, Anthony Richardson getting hurt is if Josh gets hurt the entire bill season, is thrown away. You go from Super Bowl a contender to being a team that's likely going to struggle to even be around 500. Uh, hmm. But if you're the Colts, you have no expectations coming in. And an argument could be made that Richardson could learn just as much off the field as on the field. Obviously, he's going to go through uh, his punches early on, be on the field, and, and get the starter role. But if something were to happen to him and or if he came out in the preseason and it was just clear he wasn't ready yet, you could put a guy like Gardner Minshew in and know that probably at the beginning of the year, you probably have a better quarterback actually playing at that time. Or Sam Ellinger, who, even though he hasn't really proven it, does have some starting experience. And you know you could get by for a few games until one of the other guys needed to, to take over. 
question for you, Mike. Here's a good question that I that I was thinking about. The team will obviously look at their opponents and who they're playing against and players on that team. It's just common knowledge is actually why the Bills or other teams don't like scrimmaging because you get a good gauge and notes and player personnel on the team you're playing to claim their players. So we talked a lot about quarterback and just because the Bills, no, nothing more than the Bills are playing the Colts this weekend. I wouldn't envision anything going with with. Um, with Gardner Minshew, but when it comes to Sam Ellinger, would you sign him? Like, see, that's what I mean. That would be a potential player yeah. uh, that could hit the waiver wire in the 1200 players. Is that an, uh, like, that's what I mean. Is that an upgrade to you over? And I'm not, I'm not saying this because I know the answer. Yeah. Is that an upgrade over Kyle Allen? That's the kind of decision you would need to make as a bill scouting personnel. And maybe, maybe the answer is yes. He's younger, might have some more upside. Where do you stand on that? That's what, that's who the bills would be looking at. So that's a tough one because Sam, Sam Ellinger really didn't show a ton when he was starting for the Colts, in my opinion. And there's a reason why he's now the third-string quarterback in Indy. They they tried to give him a chance, and he didn't step up to the challenge. Now there's a lot of things going against him when he earned that opportunity. But you can make an argument either way. Uh, Kyle Allen did get an opportunity early in his career to start games and did have some modest success. Now, he really hasn't had extensive mm -hmm. opportunities over the last uh, three, four years. So did Kyle Allen suddenly, did he regress during those years? Is he worse than what he was three, uh, two, three, four years ago? Or has he not had the opportunity? Uh, Sam Ellinger, I, I, I think it was against the Bills last year. Didn't he have a preseason game where he just lit up? Um, it might have been against the Bills in the preseason. I remember he had an amazing performance uh, one August, so, but I don't think you can say one way or another who's better, Sam Ellinger or Kyle Allen. What I would say is Kyle Allen has been with the team the entire offseason, mm -hmm. has a hold of the Bills playbook, while Sam Ellinger, if he was to become available at any point, would have to learn the Bills playbook on the fly, and then you would have to assume also is better than Kyle Allen at the same time in order to really make it worthwhile from a Bills perspective. I just think it's it's one of those where even if he was better, it wouldn't really make sense. I, I, I think what they have is what they're going to go into the season with that quarterback. Yeah, so I think that's an interesting debate because like a Sam Ellinger can be had at 940K for the year. You can have a couple of years of control. Will the Bills make that decision where they can get him up to speed fairly quickly behind Josh Allen, maybe with Matt Barkley on the practice squad? Maybe Kyle Allen on the practice squad, I don't know. But you're right, Kyle Allen was not very good last year. That wasn't his, his top year, but actually showed some – promise early on in his career i thought he had a, a pretty interesting start to his 2018 2019 coming out with josh uh in carolina he he showed that he was a fairly good usable quarterback i thought had some moments uh with the commanders in 2020 or the football team at the time um you know in 2020 2021 uh you know fairly playing decent ball but just last year the texans that bad texans team with between him and davis mills you know obviously that's the reason he's here on a vet deal, but did show some stuff, especially in that 2019 Panthers season and was really decent in usable action. 69% completion percentage that 2020 year with the commanders. Um, there's stuff there that, and he's still young. It's not like he's a 36 year old journeyman. I mean, he, he, he's not that much older than Sam Ellinger. Um, you know, he, he's 27. Uh, Sam Ellinger is like 24, 25. So like, it's not like a crazy scenario where he's just savvy vet that's been around the block forever fits style he's you know uh, the same came out the same draft that josh did and we and we have to mention the, it, obviously 
defense is normally ahead of offense early on in camp. But it is, I would imagine, for a backup quarterback on a new team, probably a little bit more difficult when the backup defense you're going up against has starting caliber talent scattered throughout. Where when Kyle Allen is in the game, he's going up against Kyer Elam and Christian Benford, a pair of quality corners that are competing for the number two spot on the Bills. You have a defensive line that has guys like Tim Settle, Puna Ford. Uh, you have A.J. Epineza, uh, Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson. We, we can say whatever we want about Boogie and A.J. They're still guys that get minutes in the snaps in this rotation. So they're going to take advantage of backup offensive linemen because you, you really don't have many teams in the NFL that have quality offensive line depth. But – You'll have teams that have rotational pieces at defensive end and defensive tackle that you can put in that are that deserve snaps on good NFL defenses. So it's not like Kyle Allen, when he's going out there, is put in an advantageous position to succeed, uh, especially with some of uh, the, the players he's out there with. So I want to see what Kyle Allen does during this preseason to see if there is some hope that maybe he's better than what we've seen so far in training camp. I do believe if there's a situation where Kyle Allen is your quarterback, that the bills could win a game or two. Now, like I said earlier, I'm not expecting the bills offense to win a game with Kyle Allen by scoring 27, 30 points. It would have to be a 17, 14 type game or 20 to 17 uh, type game. There's no reason, and I saw a comment from Steve Noble uh, earlier, this Bills defense should still be elite. So there is the possibility that the defense could carry a team like the Bills with a backup quarterback for a series of games and maybe steal a game or two. Is Kyle Allen decent enough to not just give it all away in that type of situation? Uh, Is he... Is it too much for him to handle? Based on his previous years, his previous experience, I think Kyle Allen is decent enough to where the Bills could get by in a two-game situation without Josh. Anything longer than that, you're probably talking some trouble. Yeah, I think that that's where I stand on it, too. I still like the way that they they stockpiled their defense in these situations to where if you need to use a backup quarterback, I still think Kyle Allen – and whoever you think could be out there as his replacement, we use Sam Ellinger today just because it makes sense. That's who the team plays. Maybe the Colts go with uh, uh, their starting quarterback and all in roster two players, which would be Gardner Minshew as well. So maybe Richardson and, and Minshew. And then, you know, someone he hits the free agency market. That's what I mean on who would be in that 1200 players. So maybe the team would deem that an upgrade. So I don't know, but Kyle, Kyle Allen, um, mixed with that, that's kind of what you're looking at. Would you rather have that and Leonard Floyd and Puna Ford and Taylor Rapp, or would you rather have maybe, I don't even know who you consider, Ty- Tyrod, I guess? or Jacoby Brissett, if when he was available, something sure, like that. Sure, Jacoby Brissett, uh, give, I guess give Marcus Mariota. Give me Taylor Rapp. Give me all those 1.77 stay-under-the-comp-formula guys, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray. How, how many cheap signings did we have this offseason? Yeah. I mean – I, I know it sounds silly, Kev, but you get one of those slightly better quarterbacks for five million or six million. 
you lose out on one or two of those guys potentially. So, um, it, and you also lose a, your third round comp pick. They couldn't sign lose the comp pick, which they couldn't well, sign anybody. That might be that's probably even bigger loss uh, yeah. when when it's all said and done. So, who knows if that played a role? But based on what Brandon Bean has said during the offseason about the comp pick, I wouldn't doubt that it played somewhat uh, of a role in his decision making. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, absolutely did. Um, so Mike, so going into this week, are you, you know, beside the cliche answer of get healthy, stay healthy, what are you looking forward to the most as football returns to Buffalo uh, on Saturday? So the first thing I'm just excited whenever preseason come back comes back to actually see the Bills back at Highmark Stadium with a with a full stadium, the energy. I know it's a preseason game; it's not the same as fall football when it matters, but it's mm-hmm. just nice to see the pads back on, the jerseys worn, and seeing them go at it. So that's the first and foremost what I'm excited for. But I, in the preseason, I am always looking forward to watching the youngsters and the newcomers the most. I want to see what this rookie class does on Saturday. I know it's a limited draft class, uh, but I, I want to see what Dalton Kincaid does. Do they give him uh, a couple series, uh, a couple passes, a couple receptions? Um, and then the younger guys, does Justin Shorter uh, get a couple opportunities to shine through this game? We really haven't seen much from him through camp. Does Osiris Torrance play? Uh, will we see Nick Broker, Alex Austin? How are the guys that are going to be lower on the depth chart? Maybe no Richard for... Garage, Mike. No Richard Garage. <laughs> maybe Richard Garage, your guy. Maybe. So those are guys I'm I, I'm looking out for. And then obviously I mentioned the newcomers. We're, we're probably not going to see too much Leonard Floyd. We're we're not going to uh, see some of these newcomers a bunch. But is Taylor Rapp going to be out there on Saturday? I would imagine so. Puna Ford. Uh, the the new running backs on this squad. I even want to see James Cook if they're going to utilize him much this preseason because I expect him to have a much larger role in this offense compared to last year. So I, I want to see, is there guys that are going to step up on this team and and take over uh, these spots and, and, and really take advantage of their opportunities? Because there was a lot of talk about James Cook going into last year and it didn't really materialize at any point. And, I, I want to see who are these uh, these players that are going to step up. And then also, can the defensive line continue their strong start to camp and do it against an opponent uh, that's not themselves? Because this camp has been as smooth as a training camp can essentially 
go so far. Like you said earlier in the show, the fact that we're talking about a backup quarterback struggling means that we really don't have many big issues that have uh, caught, caught our eyes so far. But the, the thing about camp is you often confirm your own uh, biases and preconceived notions. We, we need to see it against other teams to really confirm what our camp observations are because sometimes when a D-line is dominating, it's just because your offensive line isn't good and vice versa. So I'm just excited to see them go up against the Colts and hopefully uh, they'll put together a good performance this Saturday. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to see what I, – I, I'd love to see the majority of this team. I don't know if I'll get my wish – um, I do, like I've always said, I think the safeties have played together for, you know, six years now. Do they need to be together? No, but I'd like to see Matt Milano. He can, he can, uh, sit too, but really outside of that, Josh and Diggs, like there's my five, you know, maybe go to six or seven there. I'd like to see a majority of players get reps. I'd like the idea of having Lewis and Hamlin, uh, and rap on the field, you know, kind of playing out with the ones and the twos kind of mixing in those, those, those players there. I'd like to see. Uh, a little bit more of this linebacker battle. Will Bernard be on the field with Dodson? Will Ber- Bernard be on the field with Dorian Williams, who's said to be picking up at camp right now? So really, I know we're not happy about two third-round picks being in the linebacker room, and there's a world where they're both the main two main backups. Uh, but that's really good depth and people that have been learning in the system behind your two starting linebackers, which the team just have has has had no linebacker depth in the history uh, um, of this, this this team lately in the recent history of the bill. So it's really nice to have two third round picks developing behind potentially Dodson. And if he's not good, uh, you can go right away to one or the other based on the scenario, most likely Bernard in this situation. I'd love to see Bernard win it. Dodson on special teams, Dodson as a veteran presence when, when needing him to come in. But I'd really like to see what this linebacker room looks like. And heck, put out, you know, you don't need to really play Trey. He'd be another one. But put out the corners. Let me see Kyrie. Let me see him versus Benford. Uh, let me see uh, a lot of um, these these battles that are happening right now. Dane Jackson, obviously, in there as well. Uh, I want to see as many reps from those battles as I can. I don't think any of we don't need to hold back on those on those uh, battles. Well, I have a question for you. Say yes. they sit Trey. Yeah. On Saturday, which they should, which, which yeah, that, that I would say is probably one of the most obvious decisions that they have right now. Yes. If they start Dane Jackson across from Christian Benford, is that a telltale uh, to you that Kyer is noticeably behind or would you take anything away from that? Uh, it'd have to wait till the next week to see, do they then I'd probably put- need one more week? Uh, before making my opinions, because they could then bench Dane, maybe not even play Dane at all, uh, and play Kyrie. That's what Benford. they could do. They 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 could give. They could do that too. I, tomorrow, I know in the past. Yeah, I know in the past with quarterback when there's a quarterback battle, they'll give each quarterback uh, that's in the competition a chance to start. Could they do that with corner two, where they give each of those guys uh, their one opportunity? Yeah. So yeah, so that that'll be interesting to to see how they handle that. They could do the same with linebacker uh, with Bernard and Dodson. And I did see a comment here. Uh, good to see DeMar Hamlin get back. And obviously that's something that uh, a lot of people are going to have their eyes glued on. And it will be uh, it'll be great to see him back on the field and see how things play out uh, with DeMar. It seems like he's in the right spot mentally and he's ready for this opportunity. And it'll be 
kind of a, a relief to finally see him, I guess, get that first hit, get that first tackle, and be able to uh, keep going uh, beyond that and realize he's, he's back on an NFL field. So that's definitely something to keep your eye on. I will say this with linebacker, I'm hoping Bernard wins this job. You talked about it just a minute ago where uh, adding to this linebacker depth and how some people might be upset taking similar players back-to-back years in the third round. While I do agree they're similar players, I believe that Dorian Williams was selected in the third round specifically because they knew that Bernard was going to have a chance at winning this job and they needed somebody to take over Bernard's role on this team. So long-term is Dorian Williams uh, an outside linebacker contributing on special teams? Probably not. He's probably eventually taking over at middle linebacker or adding to the competition. But for now, if they assumed that Bernard was going to be going up against Dodson, they needed someone to fill his void. So yeah. I, 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 all these moves after having an offseason to see the way things are playing out, it makes a lot more sense now what the thinking was all along in putting this team together. And essentially what it is, it's the same team as last year, minus Jermaine Edmonds, but with a lot more depth scattered throughout this roster. And I, I saw some national people recently laughing at some Bills reporters and, and Bills fans commenting on Twitter that this team is better because the national narrative is that the the Dolphins and the, the Jets have narrowed the gap and that they're ready to seize the AFC East and take it from Buffalo and and, and win this division and set the Bills to a 9-8 and record or a 10-7 Seven record, but my belief, Kevin, we had a show about it a month ago. This Bills team is more talented than any Bills team we've had during the Sean McDermott era, and it is a better team than what they had last year. Doesn't mean the record is going to be as good because it's hard to replicate a 13 win season, but I, I do think it's going to be a wake up call to some people when they start to realize how talented and deep this Bills roster is. Yeah, I think that the the downgrade from Tremaine, the, the, just the linebacker swap is from Tremaine Edmonds to Dorian Williams. Everyone else was on the roster. So the downgrade there, but they literally upgraded across the board, most notably at interior offensive line. Um, you know, they, they've gotten better and deeper at receiver behind Gabe Davis. You actually have a usable Sherfield. You have, you know, this battle between Shakir and Hardy and Shorter. Um, they've gotten better there. They got a, a premier asset in, in Dalton Kincaid to run 12 personnel. Uh, so and, you know, Taylor Rapp and Puna Ford and Leonard Floyd, like there is upgrades across the field on a team that, that lost three games by eight points. So it's very interesting national narrative. And I really think that the linebacker spot, really where you could point to the, the opening, really the biggest open. And then you have another year of Benford and Elam and Trey White being healthy. All of them are hurt beside Dane Jackson. And Dane Jackson even went off with his scary injury early on in the season. They were all hurt, every single one of them. So – believe it or not, as well as the DBs had played last year, they had some sig- – and then obviously Hyde and Poyer, they had some significant injuries at DB at the DBs. Dane Jackson like, had bad. one of the serious injuries of the season that we all forget because it was such a crazy season of injuries. You're not thinking about what happened week two Monday night football against, uh, against Tennessee, but I, I remember being at the stadium at the time when he was taken off the field, people were worried – about Dane Jackson thinking we're wondering if he was going to be able to play football again at that point. Uh, obviously we, we all look back to the DeMar Hamlin injury because that was 
this one of the scariest things any of us have ever seen in our lives on a football field. But the Bills had quite their share of yeah. of, of injuries. Even Micah Hyde, when he was down on the field, uh, the same Monday night game um, that Dane Jackson went down, Micah Hyde goes down. So uh, it's going to hopefully be a relief if this secondary can play healthy football because before all the injuries started taking place last year, this really had the makings of a special elite defensive unit. And while they were still very, very good, the number two, I believe, DVOA defense in the NFL last year, it ended up unraveling a little bit late in the season where the lack of depth, the lack of some of their star players being available made them vulnerable. And when you're going up against Cincinnati, when you're going up against Kansas City and the the top offenses in the NFL late in the season without your best guys, you're going to be taken advantage of. And unfortunately, it, it got to be too much for the Bills to to overcome. Yeah, and that's what's a very interesting uh, conundrum here that the roster between getting healthier, which is pretty banged up, and then adding in some some influx of talent, it is the best version of this roster that we've seen. I thought they shored up a lot of, of deficiencies that they had. What will amount from this? I think that Dodson's the first, even if he doesn't win to Bernard, I think he's the first player in regardless, whether you know whether it's Bernard or Milano that gets hurt. I think that Dodson would come in uh, to to play right away uh, as the third linebacker. Dorian Williams being your four, you know, maybe AJ Klein being your five, Spectre there too. So I think that's kind of the way that that room's going to work itself out. But uh, it's 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 definitely going to be one where we'll have to see. Uh, I'd really prefer to see the upside of Charles Bernard. I, I just love what he's potentially going to be able to do. Hopefully he's able to hold on. I expect and hope for a big game on Saturday. So Kevin's uh, spotlight of the week is on the linebacker position. We will review that with everybody on Tuesday, Mike, but lots of action packed uh, stuff that we went over. We're going to have a lot more to go over to talk about this game, what we liked, what we didn't like, um, you know, what else is going on at camp as camp winds down on Thursday as well from St. John Fisher university uh, in Rochester, New York. So it's going to be great to kind of recap everything there, recap the game, and then look forward to game two against the Steelers. If Josh Allen, we might have some, um, some say into whether Josh Allen's going to play them or this, uh, this week as well. So it's going to be a fun football is back officially three weeks from today. We're going to do the cut down show, the cut down special, uh, right here on the Going Deep podcast. We'll review the cuts, we'll review the final roster, and then we will talk about waiver claims that we've seen across the league, if there's any that could help the Bills. In two weeks from today, we're going to do our draft, or we're going to do our uh, roster show, where Mike and I are going to pick our rosters and go over who we think makes the team and why, and potentially our, you know, who will win these battles if they're not already decided. So two weeks from today, we'll be doing that. Uh, as I said, next week we'll review this game and then uh, the the Steelers game as well. So we've got a lot of footage and a lot of a uh, lot of topics to go over. Please smash that like button for us here on the Going Deep podcast. We have. Uh, great content coming to you all season long, as well as uh, amazing guests as the crossover shows start here soon. Uh, you know, starts early and often with the Jets and some other uh, great guests that we'll have in September. Uh, and then from all the cover one shows on the podcast and uh, sports network here in one pass, get out there and give one pass a try. We continue to bring you some exclusive content through our Slack channels as news and notes and source things that we hear as well. I uh, usually go there as compared to like Twitter. Uh, so, 
uh, Mike, with all that being said, there's still some rumblings that players might get re-signed, I saw today. Uh, so we'll see if any of that comes to fruition uh, as well. Um, you know, could a Gabe Davis extension be coming? Could that be Taron Johnson? Could that be Micah Hyde? Uh, could that be Daquan Jones? There's some news there um, that we can track over the next week too, right? Absolutely. And uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a Gabe Davis extension, Kev. You know, I'm, I'm pro Gabe Davis. I don't want to say too much because the comments always seem to light up whenever I say anything about Gabe <laughs> Davis, uh, good or bad. I'll have people attacking me regardless of what stance I take. But uh, I, I think you and I have discussed it enough in the past. We have an idea of where the money would probably be at. And I know I am for it. I think you're also for it. Uh, that'd be something good to have happen. Uh, Daquan Jones would love to have him uh, signed up uh, for another year as well. And who knows? Could A.J. Epineza be a guy that quietly could be talking contract extension uh, we, we talked about how we would probably be patient and wait for it to happen. Behind closed doors, could he be impressing Brandon Bean enough to to stay on this team for a little bit longer? So uh, definitely a lot to talk about, and hopefully we'll have some more news uh, prior to the start of the season. Yeah, exciting. It's exciting time. Uh, so we got lots to track between this game, next week's game, our roster show, as well as our cutdown show coming, and then hopefully maybe an extension of somebody of some sorts to talk about. Is it Gabe? Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, it's going to be a. I still trend. Could it be Taron Johnson? What he's been said. There's been a lot of promotion on him. He's been said to be one of the best Bills defenders on the roster. That could come at an interesting time with some form of extension from Taron Johnson. Uh, so we're going to see Gabe Davis being the most prominent. AJ Epinesa, a guy that's that that is had a glowing. He went from you know all offseason. Could he get traded? Could he do this? Could he do that? To being a prominent part of this defense. He's another one that could be there as well. So watch out for AJ Epinesa, Taron Johnson, and Gabe Davis. Uh, among others that the Bills could be uh, looking at extending. But smash that like button for me if you wouldn't mind. That means a ton to us here from the Going Deep Podcast on the Cover One Podcast Network. Looking forward to bringing on some top guests as well. Will we see producer AJ again? Uh, we'll see if we can get, get time on AJ's calendar. Uh, will we have another producer soon, Mike? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the what the future Stay holds. Tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to our updates, and as always, we appreciate everybody coming out. But we'll see you guys live here to recap this game and to recap the or and to talk about the Steelers game as well as what happened in camp right here Tuesdays at seven. But I'm Kevin. That's Mike. We'll check you guys out, and we'll see you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.